episode 33 of MTG Radio. This is Trevor. And I'm Tom, and welcome back. It's nice to have you here. Then again, if this is the first time you're listening, thank you for listening. Yes, welcome. I Hi. How's it going? Nice to meet you. I'm Tom. This is Trevor. We're we're two amiable people. We live in Florida. Um, he's going to be a judge. Go figure. Uh, uh, calm, your, calm your horses. Hold down those ponies. I... I'm going to try to be a judge. It's not that easy, but I'm studying. I'm, I'm trying to learn. I've actually been offered a lot of help. Um, Brian, who used to be on the Avant Card Show, we talk about him an awful lot, uh, in Orlando. He's part of the play group that I play with. But he's offered to help me as much as he is allowed because there's a lot of stuff you just can't do. Uh, besides Brian, there have been a, a decent amount of people on Twitter. Infant number one, or infant no one. Uh, offered to help me a lot. He said he likes judging an awful lot. So, but I'm going to work my way there, and I think that'll be cool. It'll also give me more time to play EDH. Totally. So, <laughs> but yeah. that's not what this podcast is about. Yeah, we're well, this podcast EDH is, is definitely not about EDH at all. Yeah, definitely not. So, if this is your first time listening or your return listener, you remember our shtick. We're actually an EDH centric podcast. Um. A lot of people that used to focus on EDH have kind of gone by the wayside. The Manipool had a three-hour EDH spectacular where I guess they finally decided to break down and play EDH, and it took a three hours long for them to finish the game. It sounded like fun. So um, EDH is definitely getting bigger, don't you think? I, I could not agree more, and I'm glad because it is certainly my favorite format. Definitely. You know, the Community Cup, one of the... Uh, one of the things was EDH, actually. Uh, one of the events, it was Commander. Sorry. Just in case you don't know, uh, we'll get on to Commander later in the show, but uh, Commander is the Magic the Gathering Online version of EDH, and it's a little bit different, but not enough as to where you're going to tell. So. Yep. Uh, Tom, like Tom was saying, he actually he has some personal experience with Commander because his playgroup isn't around, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, the first thing you want to talk about, do you want to talk about M11? I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna go through all the spoilers, we're just gonna hit on some cards that we really like, uh, things that we think might be good in EDH, or might warp some formats, or whatever the case may be. (laughs) But, uh, Tom, you can go first. Go ahead. Okay, so, this is a quickie. I've won a lot of drafts on the back of this card. Kinda glad it's coming back. I like Limited along with EDH, so seeing Armored Ascension coming back is kind of nice. Uh, three and a white enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one for each planes you control and that's flying. Um, I remember when it used to be like a Kithkin with shields for arms and it was flying <laughs> on magic shields. That was awesome. I know we're not going to return to that art, but I would appreciate it. So, just saying that was released back. Your turn next, Trev. Oh, Lord, when has to leave her. Alright, um, ne- I honestly thought when you said that, I won on the back of this card. I remember when we drafted M10 at Tate's, and you pulled a Baneslayer. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to, I have to be the one to say it, Baneslayer, Wallet Slayer Angel, BS Angel, she's being reprinted! Woo! Uh, see, I, I had never heard of BS Angel. That is so cool. It is definitely I, BS Angel. I don't know if, like, I don't know if I got that from someone. I remember when... M10 was being spoiled, and Evan Irwin was on Twitter, or someone was on Twitter, I think it was Evan Irwin, saying that it couldn't be real, it was just too much. And I'm like, eh, BS Angel. And I was like, that's, I like that abbreviation. Lo and behold, it's real, but... And just in case you don't know what Baneslayer Angel is, for fun, I guess, uh, it's three white-white for a Mythic Rare, five, five, sixty-dollar-costing angel, which has flying, first strike, lifelink, and protection from demons and dragons, which was funny when Zendikar came out, because there was a guy that says, I come into play and I kill an angel, but it was a demon, and everyone kind of laughed. It was like the big inside joke for the magic community. It was fun. Yeah, Baneslayer Angel's kind of obnoxious. Um, Besides Baneslayer Angel reprinted, I do want to mark about Condemn being printed. It doesn't affect EDH at all, but it probably means that Path will not be printed. Yeah, Path was form at Defining. I think I still like Condemn. Uh, instant for a white, put target attack creature on the bottom of its owner's library. Its controller gains life equal to its toughness. I think it's more balanced than Path. It obviously does a lot less um, if the creature, first of all, has to be attacking. So if there's just a dude or just sitting there and you want him gone, it doesn't work. They have to be attacking you, so... 
there's a lot of stuff rotating out. Having Condemn in here with Path at the same time for a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. Condemn Path decks. I'm going to run one of those. That's going to be fun. Everyone's going to uh, hate me. I'm just going to keep one white mana open for the whole entire match, game two and game three, and just watch them not do anything. The one the one benefit that I have to say is for people who are getting into EDH now, or don't just happen to not have any Condemns, it is better than Path in the sense that it puts the card on the bottom of the library. Yes. So it's a, it's another Fate Seal-ish type effect, which is really good against Generals. Yes, which... Yeah, that's completely true. Uh, going through the rest of these, there isn't really much. Sarah Angel is being reprinted again, just to show how good Baneslayer Angel is. Um, okay, so Blue is actually getting some really cool things. Yes. Like, awesome. So... The first one is Aether Adept. Uh, there was a card called Mana War. Uh, it was for two and a blue when Mana War can't ent- enter the battlefield, return target creature to its owner's <laughs> hand. Now we have Aether Adept, which is one blue blue for a two two. When Aether Adept enters the battlefield, return target creature to its owner's hand. And it's a wizard, so it has a relatable creature type for yeah. those wizard That's decks true. that people made back then. Anyways, it's awesome. <laughs> But you get to talk about the next evergreen keyword. Yes. Well, we're suspecting it to be an evergreen keyword. We're not positive. But Scry is being reprinted um, in M11. So Scry will be back. The first time that I really started playing was during Mirrodin. I wasn't playing competitively, so Affinity didn't scar me that much. <laughs> I was, that was punny because Scars of Mirrodin. But I, I love Scry. I played Serum Visions up the wazoo, even though it wasn't that great of a card. <laughs> I loved it, but it's no, it's not, it's no brainstorm. But, uh, one of the, the first card that showcased Scry's return was Augury Owl. It's one and a blue for a creature owl. It's a 1-1 one, one with flying. When Augury Owl enters the, batter, enters the battlefield, Scry 3. In case you don't know what Scry is, it's, um, look at the top N cards where N is the Scry number, and you can put those, any number of those in the top or bottom of your library in any order. So yeah. Kinda happy Sage Owl's gone. Very happy with the new Sage Owl. Like, yes. honestly, this guy is baller. The art, kinda weird looking. Just saying. But no, 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 I am very happy about this. So happy. First off, Scry's back. Sickness. Second off, Agriel kicks the pants. The pants. Off of Sage Owl. Like, it kinda looks at Sage Owl and kinda laughs. Like, ha, ah, you suck now. So... It's a common, right? Please be a common. Yep, it's yes, a common. It We're all good. Uh, the next card I want to talk about with Scry coming back, I loved this card. It's 4C uh, for 3 and a blue sorcery. Scry 4, then draw 2 cards. The card's so powerful. Um, with cards like this, you can definitely see the. Uh, a lot of people are already saying that the M11 draft and limited formats are going to be sick. And so far, just looking at the colors... They're all really balanced, trying to do certain things, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, back to you, Trev. I just really hope that 4C has different art. That's just me, but looking at the old 4C art gave me a headache with the girl with four eyes. I um, thought it was cool. I liked her. I that's mean, just, she just wasn't her. any flow from the Progressive commercials, but she wasn't bad. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about another card. It might make somewhat of an impact somewhere. I'm not really sure. It's kind of like Omnivise. It's an instant. It's one blue called Diminish. Target creature becomes a 1-1 until end of turn. It's common. Sadly, the creature doesn't lose all abilities, um, which is probably why it's a common. But really what I wanted to talk about with this was that the flavor text of this card is from Lewis Carroll's Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. And... I'm, I'm an English education major, and I love I love this kind of stuff. I like how Pendlehaven was a Henry Henry I can't pronounce today, but it was a it was a poet, and I really like how they're bringing that back. So, yeah. I will say I remember when Snake Form was getting played, and it was a one-one green snake with no abilities, but that was also a cantrip. The fact that this card isn't a cantrip will probably forbid it from seeing standard play. That's about it. I still think it's a good card. Um, the next guy we're going to talk about is Jace's Ingenuity. It's uh, three blue, blue, instant, uncommon, draw three cards. 
Yay! Blue mages are creaming in their pants. I don't know. It's fun. It's a nice card. Um, it's going to be, again, good and limited. Might see constructed play. If Pat Chapin plays it, uh, you'll get at least 300 people to play it. So this seems like Pat <gasps> Chapin will play it. So I think we got a good probability of this getting played. So just saying. It has the words draw and cards in it. Pat Chapin will probably... And instant. The, there, there could be a... There could be a card that was like one blue mana instant draw cards. It wouldn't even have a number, just draw cards. <laughs> it would be played. <laughs> that'd be that'd be a cool card. Anyway. Um I do want to mention the next card that I'm gonna say is Water Servant. Two and two blue for an uncommon elemental, it's a three four. Blue mana, it gets plus one minus one until end of turn. Blue mana it gets minus one plus one until end of turn. It's kind of like Morphling's Morphling little brother. Yeah. Morphling is if this better is the shroud and flying though. Yeah. Oh, definitely. But I don't know. This is. I think it's kind of neat. Oh yeah. Maybe I think not. It's I, I wouldn't say good, but the one of the best part about Morphling and why it was called Superman for such a long time is because it was so good on defense and offense. Because you can just go, nope. Yeah. My Morphling is a zero six. Or yeah, you're taking five for my five one Morphling. So. It's a good card. I'm looking forward to it. Um, the next card we can talk about is the new Vampire Lord, which we're going to guess is going to nudge out Vampire Nocturnus. Um, for one black, black, rare vampire, other vampire creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Tap five untapped vampires you control. Gain control target creature. It becomes a vampire in addition to its other types. And they have a nice little rule text reminder at the end. This effect doesn't end at end of turn. And it's a 2-2. So... You know me. I just noticed her. Sorry, go ahead. I want to draft Captivating Vampire dot deck. If I ever get to draft two Captivating Vampires in the same deck, it's like an auto win. <laughs> it's like, okay, got two vampires, just got to get ten more, and we can take <sighs> this draft down. I just noticed that this is going to be in standard with Nocturnus for a while. That's, I mean, vampires might not be that great of a deck. Some people that play standard say it's not even a real deck, but... This will be in standard with another Vampire Lord, and it also brings up the, the point of what the other Lords are going to be. Mm-hmm. Are they all going to be like the, the tap X, untapped creature types you control, or are we going to get the, the um, Elvish Archerid back? Or yeah. What's what's going to go on with the other ones? I've, I've always loved the, the Lorwyn Lords. Like, I'm not going to lie. I love Lorwyn. I thought it was one of the greatest sets ever. But um, I always loved the... Uh, the uncommon green uh, elf lord. That guy was beastly. Um, not very much. Imperious perfect. And, yeah. Two and a green gives your elf creatures plus one plus one. You can tap him for a green to put a one one elf onto the battlefield. Reprint that, wizards. Be awesome. But now here's the other question. Do you think they're going to reprint a beast... Uh, you think they're going to make an elf lord or a beast lord? Yeah, I don't know about that because beasts... When we get to green, you'll notice be, um, beasts seem a bit popular. Yeah. But it'll probably be elves. Elves are kind of the green staple. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want next card that I'm going to mention is black. Um, it's Liliana's Caress, which sounds dirty and something that you would not want. It's one in a black enchantment, uncommon. Now, this might sound familiar. Whenever an opponent discards a card, that player loses two life. Wait, Trevor, aren't you talking about McGrim? No, I'm talking about Liliana's Caress. Oh, okay, just checking. It's one colorless mana, less than McGrim. I I want to be the the casual player that builds the quest for the Nilstone discard deck with Liliana's Crest in it. I know it won't work, but I think it'd be fun. I don't know. First turn quest for the Nilstone. Second turn Liliana's Crest. Third turn Mind Rot. Take four. Power up the Nilstone. That's actually yeah, but- not that bad. But then again, hey, guess what? It doesn't die to removal, which is why Doomblade guy's happy because Doomblade's coming back. Yeah, the the only thing is, I go Mind Rot on turn 3, and then turn 4, they go, Birds, birds, I attack you with two Venge Vines. And you cry. So, yeah. uh, next card, I think, is actually kind of fun to mention. I You don't mind if we just skip... I mean, reassembling skeletons, cool and all, but... Yeah, um, that's the only other card that I would have mentioned. It's a 1-1 one, one for 1 and a black, a skeleton warrior. For 1 black... Return it to return reassembling skeleton from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. I think I think that might seem some place somewhere. I, I would kind of want to throw it in the EDH deck just to see what I can do with it. 
Yeah, if Recurring Nightmare wasn't banned, it would work. <laughs> but, uh, I think he's cool. Um, I really wish it was, like, reassembling Warrior, so that whenever I did this, I could just say, Warriors, come out to play, and then my opponents could just get mad at me. But, yeah, I would. Yeah, so, uh, the next guy we're gonna talk about is, um, Arc Runner. It's two and a red for a hasting 5-1 at the beginning of the end step, sacrifice it. Um, doesn't have trample. A lot of people are saying, oh my god, they printed a, re- a common replacement, a replacement for, uh, ball lightning. And it's like, no guys, doesn't have trample, doesn't work. Yeah. The next card that I want to mention, uh, is Chandra Spitfire. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have been playing with Kiln Fiend lately, and I've been teaching Brooke and Sarah how to draft. Uh, really? And yes, that it's, must be fun. It's an experience. <laughs> I wish I wish you were still in the, in this area because then I think if they watched you and I play a few games, it'd be easier for them to learn how to play that way. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Kiln Fiend has been played a lot in limited and in constructed. And Spitfire is two and a red uncommon for a one three with flying. Whenever an opponent is dealt non combat damage, it gets plus three plus zero until end of turn. I really, really like that card. Yeah. I like Kiln Fiend. I like these red creatures that are really small, but can be really big, and they just really work for uh, redneck wins. Yeah, the, I remember uh, the best word I've heard about Kiln Fiend is explosive. Because sometimes you just go Kiln Fiend turn two, turn three, Searing Blaze, Lightning Bolt you in the face, you get to take, what is that, seven plus six? Yeah, you yeah. take 14, turn three. Congratulations on losing the game. Like, these cards become explosive. The only problem with Spitfire is it's is it says whenever an opponent is dealt non-combat damage. The difference is it doesn't specify from what kind of source. So if you have a pinger on the field, you ping him and you now have a 4-3. Oh, wow. Just yeah. saying. Um, it also has a vision. Yeah. Fire Servant. This card I think is cool. Uh, for 3 and a red and a red, if a red instant or sorcery spell you control would deal damage to a creature or player, it deals double that damage to that creature or player instead. Awesome. Yeah. Play this in your red decks, please. The only worry I have about it is it costs five mana, so it, by the time you play it, you might not have that much cheap burn left. Oh, I'm 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 talking EDH, man. Holy moly. Alright, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Anyways. Cruel ultimatum. <laughs> yeah. Fling uh, um, is coming back. Thanks. Oh, don't worry. I'll talk about the next card. Sure, sure. You can talk about fling. Fling. Fling, one to red, instant, additional cast cost, additional cost to cast fling, sacrifice a creature, fling deals damage equal to the sacrifice creature's power to target creature or player. Um, I kind of hope this card has the original art, because the original art's really funny. It's this huge guy throwing a goblin at somebody. I've always liked it. Um, uh, Trevor and I were talking about earlier that this card works so well with Kiln Fiend and the new Chandra Spitfire. Uh, you just sack the Kiln Fiend, hit him with it, Spitfire gets to become a little bit harder. It's it's win-win all around. Um, yeah. Yeah. Back to Trev. Uh, Goblin Balloon Brigade is being reprinted. It's a 1 red mana, 1-1 one, one Goblin Warrior for tap a red, it gains flying until end of turn. It's, kinda, it's an oldie but a goodie. Uh, it's Tap a red mana, it gets flying, like I said, and the the flavor text, I think, is probably the best. The enemy is getting too close. Quickly inflate the toad. So, yeah. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> inflate the toad. Uh, bolt is being reprinted. Lightning bolt. Uh, it's lightning bolt. Yay! It's and it bad. doesn't have flavor text. No. Shiv's Embrace being... Uh, I guess it's being reprinted, right? Yeah, there was one for each dragon, I think. Mm-hmm. Color Pie posted it on the forums in Salvation. Being reprinted seems good in Earl. Don't know if I'd play it, though. I mean, giving Earl flying also seems good, but that's why you're playing Shield of the Oversoul, so... Yeah. Um, next card that I get to talk about, which I'm very happy I get to talk about, is called Cultivate. Oh. It is... I'm not going to talk about Birds of Paradise. Everybody knows that's being reprinted. It's uh, two and a green for a sorcery. It's a common... Search, tell me if this sounds familiar. Search your library for up to two basic land cards. Mm-hmm. Reveal those cards. And put one of those cards in the battlefield tapped, and the other in your hand. Then shuffle your library. Does it have a picture of a hand walking across a desert from a forest? 
Um, well, the original one does. That's Kodama's Reach, which was ah. Arcane. Yeah. Which means, this means you can play two in EDH. And just in case anyone's wondering, because I've kind of seen a few people post, they don't know why this card is good, oh my or God. that good. And the reason why everyone goes Gaga over it, and Kodama's Reach, is because it, on turn three, it ramps you to turn four, and it makes sure you have a land drop on your next turn. So, it's like, it, rampant growth ramps you the next turn, but... Even statistically speaking, when you're ramping so much, you're taking lands out of your deck, you're less likely to draw one to play, so you'll be a turn ahead, but if you don't draw a land, you'll be a turn behind, or you'll be even. With Cultivator Kodama's Reach, you always stay ahead of the game, which is just so awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. Speaking of of Kodama's Reach and this card, um, I'd say look out for it in Standard. There's been these come-when-shards rotates, just because of Avenger of Zendikar... People need to ramp up fast. Oracle Moldai is going to see so much more play. Yeah. Expect to see this in standard. Uh, yeah. Pick up your foil playsets now. <laughs> Anyways, uh, if you heard, we talked about Chandra Spitfire, and Wizards has now come on to the trending idea that they should name cards after Planeswalkers. Like, we talked about the Jace draw three for five. So Garrick's Companion, it's a beast, it's a common for a green and a green, it's a trampling 3-2. What do you feel about this card? I feel like it's way above the curve. Mm-hmm. I remember when like, seeing Elvish Warrior was annoying enough. Now you have a 3-2. Yeah. Well, Elvish Warrior was also different because you couldn't shock it. But this is, this is just some nuts stuff. It has trample. <laughs> and it works so well with our next card, Garrick's Pack Leader. For four and a green, it's a beast, it's an uncommon... Whenever another creature with power 3 or greater enters the battlefield under your control, you may draw a card. It's a 4-4. This card is going to be good in EDH. It's going to be good in draft. Pick them up. Um, I don't know what to say. Uh, I know if I have a green EDH deck, which I still don't, which is kind of sad, I'm playing Garrick's Pack Leader. Uh, it's, It's good. It's like, it's better than Drum Hunter, so it's good for me. I, I I really like it. Um, it's have you noticed there's about the uh, Planeswalkers cards, the Pack Leader and the uh, the Chandras? They all trigger off of their Planeswalkers' respective abilities. That's true because Garrick's second ability, you get to put a three three in a play, you get to draw a card now. Yeah. And Spitfire. Uh, oh wow, that's amazing. Yeah. You the are next smart cookie. I read that on the forums. I mean, I thought it, but I also read it. It's <laughs> oh, not just... in that me. case, never mind. <laughs> uh, the next card that I'm going to mention is Greater Basilisk. It's not that great. Well, that's funny, but no. It's three green green for a common Basilisk. It's a three five with Death Touch. What I want to mention is that Death Touch's rules text is now any amount of damage this creature deals to a creature is enough to destroy it. That reads so weird. I agree, but it's a lot more concise than that whole, like, this creature can ignore combat blocking rule damage steps, and that, that the other way was really, really wordy. That's true. Yeah, that's right, because then it makes sense, like, okay, you block three guys, deal one, deal one, deal one, because any amount of damage. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, Lenore Elves is being reprinted. Do you want to talk about Plummet? I think this, um, is, this is actually going to see play in EDH. Oh, yeah. It's a one in a green instant Destroy target creature with flying. And it looks cool. I like the art. Yeah. In EDH, it'll definitely see play, because there's a lot more creatures with flying. In Standard, people are saying that it'll see play to combat Baneslayer Angel, but... Green decks that, need an answer. But the thing is, usually the decks with Baneslayer play one flyer, which is Baneslayer, and you're holding a dead card until they get Baneslayer. So. And then you get to go, I kill your $40 card with my 25-cent common. What's up? Well, that's what Doomblade guy's been saying for his whole entire life, so... Doomblade. Anyways, Sylvan Ranger. Uh, this is exactly like... Something Wayfinder. Civic. Civic Wayfinder. Uh, Sylvan Ranger for one and a green. When Sylvan Ranger enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a basic land card. Reveal it, put it into your hand. If you do, shuffle your library. It's a 1-1. One, one. It's an elf. Woo! Yeah. Um, this guy's actually been seeing play in... Flores from Five of Flores and from the MTGO from the main hub site uh, MagicTheGathering.com. Um, he's been playing Sylvan Ranger in his gem list. 
and sorry, uh, well, not Solar Ranger, Borderland Ranger, Borderland Ranger, and his Junlis, and now that he costs one less, I mean, there is a lot of really cheap and good ways to get land in M11. I agree. So I guess we should just mention the M10 dual lands are back. I guess we gotta start calling them M11 dual lands. Yes, we should find a cool nickname for them, but. I don't know what... They, they can't be pain lands, because they're not pain. They're like conditional tap lands, but that's lame. <laughs> hey, do you have a... Can I borrow a four set of red-green conditional tap lands <laughs> from you? Oh, here I have them right here. Okay, or don't make fun of me. I need copy. Anyways, so that's what we have from M11. Um, It looks fun. I agree. And I am looking forward to draft this Pants. Drafting the pants off of this set. Draft the pants off this set. I am really looking forward to it. It looks like a lot of, a lot of, a lot of fun. So. So. That's M11. We should end the show on nothing about EDH, right? No, you're wrong. Um, (laughs) Do you want me to talk about my paper EDH decks, or do you want to talk about Commander first? Um... Why don't you talk about paper EDH, and then I'll come back with General of the Week and Commander at the same time. Okie dokie, Pogie. That was lame. I'm never going to say that again. Alright. So, uh, as you know, we've been away for quite some time. Uh, be- between finals and summer starting and all that crazy nonsense, we've been busy. But we still have time for magic. And a lot of my EDH decks have changed. So now I have a Rith the Awakener deck, a Janora Azura of War Aura deck, which is a mouthful, an Oros the Avenger deck, and a Thada Adele deck. I'm going to just talk about some key cards to note from, ED, from each deck. Pardon. And I'll start with Rith. Um, the Rith deck is, it has an equipment package for Stoneforge Mystic, which is really awesome. Two of the equipment that I really would like to mention are just GTA and Sword of Fire and Ice. Nothing out of the ordinary. They're just really good. Um, it also, it kind of, it doesn't run around, but it really, really abuses. It really likes Knight of the Reliquary. So if you if you haven't played Knight of the Reliquary in EDH yet, I would wait for um, Alara to rotate and then try to pick them up because they're probably going to drop in price. It's a great card. Um, Tom, do you know what card it's good with? Realms Uncharted. That's exactly what I was going to say. Really? Um, no yeah. way. I feel yeah. awesome. I had it in my hand. Realms Uncharted. It's the instant from Rise. Yeah. I was waiting for Tom to fill me in, but he didn't. I was using oh, Tom. Um, now it's the instant from Rise. It's two and a green. Search your library for up to four, or pardon me, search your library for four land cards with different names. Reveal them. An opposing chooses two. Put those cards into your graveyard and the rest into your hand. Really awesome with Knight of the Reliquary and Petrified Field, which is an oddball card, but we mentioned it before. Wilderness Elemental is in this deck. It's a, a star three for one red green with Trample. Its power and toughness equal to the number of non-basic lands your opponents plural control. Really, really, really awesome for you. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Wilderness Elemental before, and we can drive that card home. Yes. Straight up awesome. Um, In the Web of War is really good with the big creatures in this deck, as well as Rift's ability and... Well, not particularly this ability, because it triggers upon him attacking. But uh, Avenger of Zendikar, that's, that's the one I was searching mm-hmm. for. Really good. It's a 3 and 2 red enchantment from Kamigawa. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, it gets plus two plus zero and gains haste until end of turn. I've always loved that card. I just never found... I always thought the five drop slot was really crowded for me, so I never really found a time to play the card. And whenever I wanted to play the card, I didn't really have creatures in hand. But that's just because the kind of decks I ran with it. The, the deck that you're running, Riff, seems perfect for it. Especially if you can just drop it, then drop Riff. Yeah. I swing for eight. <laughs> uh, next card is Transcendent Master. We opened a foil Transcend Master. We actually had it. We've got two boxes of Rise. The first box we got, we opened a Vengevine and a foil Vengevine. Ooh, pretty. And we shipped those back and got another box. So it might not have been a good <laughs> idea, but and, and in the second box, we opened another Vengevine. Did you keep so, this one? So I have a Vengevine. Yay! You could but, have three Vengevines right now, and you could have just waited like two, three months. For Alara to rotate out, and you could have sold each one for upwards of 30. Yeah, a lot of money, I understand. It's okay. Um, but Transcendent Master, we got a 401 in one of the boxes. It's one white-white. It's the leveler that eventually becomes lifelink indestructible 9-9. Nine, nine. 
really fun. And you know what levelers are good with, Tom? Training grounds. Um, this is a rift deck, Tom. Doubling season. Yay! Yes, doubling season. <laughs> one of one of my favorite cards ever. I got my hands on one of them because they're so expensive, or in terms of casual magic. Four and a green. You double counters and tokens that would go on your stuff. So much fun with Rith. Um, what do you want? What do you want me to do next time? Oros, Janara, or Thada? Let's go with the next dragon. Oros. Okay, do. Um, the Oros deck. It also has somewhat of a equipment package. It uses Stone Stoneforge Mystic. I'm gonna try to grab a quite a spike. I for whatever reason don't have one. But right now I search up Basil's Collar. Basil's Collar is really good with Oros, because in case you don't know, his ability is whenever he deals combat damage to a player, you may pay two and a white. If you do, he deals three damage to each non-white creature. I wiped the board during my last EDH game before I left Orlando, because Brian wasn't paying attention. And <laughs> uh, and I wiped the board and gained an obscene amount of life. And it's just really fun. That Basil's Collar is also good with Lord of Shatterskull Pass, it's the leveler that you level up all the way, and whenever he deals damage, or yeah. whenever he attacks a player, it deals six damage to each creature that player, the defending player controls. That's so, awesome. it kind of has those board sweep type effects. There's an enchantment from Eighth Edition that was reprinted in Eighth Edition that works well in case I can't get one of the Death Touch abilities, and that's Death Pits of Wrath. So yes, I am the jerk that plays Death Pits of Wrath in EDH. It's three black black. Whenever a creature is dealt damage, destroy it. It can't be regenerated. Yeah. Um, the next cards are just kind of uh, pet cards. It, this deck has a lot of removal. Sorts of Pleasures, Path to Exile, Decree of Pain, Acroma's Vengeance, Day of Judgment, Wrath of God. It might have Damnation in it, too. So <laughs> this deck can definitely wipe the board if it needs to be wiped. Um, the, okay. These cards might be considered subpar to a lot of people, but I'm playing them because I think they're really cool. And that's Ashes to Ashes and Dust to Dust. Ashes to Ashes is one black black sorcery. I think it's from the dark. Ashes to Ashes um, removes two target non-artifact creatures from the game and does five damage to you. So destroy two non- or remove two exile two non-artifact creatures, take five, and Dust to Dust remove target artifacts from the two target artifacts from the game. They're both cool. They're both kind of quirky cards, pet cards. Um, what else? Identity Crisis is in the deck, because Identity Crisis is awesome. <laughs> and, I mean, the more I play with it, the more I realize it's not as awesome as I think it is. <laughs> it's good when I used to play against Kevin, because I knew Kevin was a jerk, and I just wanted to be a jerk to him first. But, it, it's good to keep some things in check, though... If I play with a more casual group, it's kind of a card that I just that sits in my hand and I never end up playing it. Unless someone has um, a crazy graveyard deck, right? Oh yeah, it does remove graveyards, which is true. And that's and that's another good reason for it. Or if someone's just starting a wacky combo where you see them putting together pieces for a combo, getting rid of their hand is sometimes necessary. It's kind of a last ditch effort. Um, World Queller is in this deck, and because this deck has so much destruction. World Queller can kind of really be used well in terms of a stacks type effect where you, you name something and just keep your opponents off balance. Mm-hmm. Um, land tax. Uh, Tom, do you want to talk about how awesome land tax is? Uh, land tax is easily one of the best cards ever made. Uh, um, yeah. I've it's a one man. Loved it. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go right what? ahead, man. I was just going to say what it is. It's a one man enchantment. During your upkeep, if an opponent controls more lands than you, you may search your library and remove up to three basic land cards and put them into your hand. Reshuffle afterwards. Now, if you heard that, what would you think? What what type of card would that be? I, I, heard, I read this card and I'm like... Go ahead. It sounds like an instant or something. Maybe a sorcery? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's an enchantment. And that's so weird. That's obscene. Yeah. I, I, I think it's great. Um, I've always loved the card. I've always wanted one. I always thought it was the guy on the front of the card looks so funny. That's half the reason why I like it. It's this really old, random-looking guy with a bag of gold in his hand. It's land tax, and it's like, oh, great. I don't know. I just like it. Uh, The deck also plays Shark in the Mad. There's not much draw power, and using Sharkin's ability as a Dark Confidant type effect is really good. 
And the next card, the red in the deck, there's not much of it. Some burn and a lot of redirect spells. So shunt and wild ricochet and reiterate. Now, a story about wild ricochet and reiterate for that matter. I was playing, it was again the last game before I left Orlando. Brian tried to bribery and I wild ricocheted it. He tried to bribery Kyle because he knew Kyle had Eldrazi in his deck. I wild, rico- wild ricocheted Brian's bribery to Claire, who was playing a Sliver's deck. And I, my copy went to Kyle. Seems so good. I got Emrakul, and Brian got Teneb, who happened to be in the deck, which I thought was unexpected, but awesome. And uh, I got in an odd situation with Reiterate the other day, when I was playing against someone using my Thada deck. They had uh, Capsize in their hand. And they could capsize with buyback. But I could reiterate with buyback. So <laughs> so you reiterate with buyback their capsize target, so capsize gets countered and it goes to the graveyard? No, 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 no. Um, reiterate is copy target instant or sorcery. You may choose new targets. So they capsize with buyback. I reiterated it. And I, I like if they chose one of my lands, I chose one of theirs. So it kept us, it, it kept us even. It was really funny. Um... But that's the that's the Oros deck, or some of the cards in the Oros deck. The Genora deck, like I said, is enchantment based or aura based, so it, it plays um, some totem armors. It plays Umber Mystic, Fates Fetters, those kind of arrest. It also plays Retether, which returns all auras from graveyards to play, mm-hmm. or pardon me, from your graveyard to play. Um, Sunscape Familiar, which I kind of just threw in the deck. It's a zero three wall. In case you new players don't know, what it, it has Defender. But it, <laughs> green spells and blue spells cost one colorless less to play for me, me, which is really awesome. The deck plays Order of Wit Clay. In case you don't know, it's a one white white for a one four Kithkin cleric. One white white untap. Tar- return target creature card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to play. This deck plays a lot of small creatures. Does it play things? I don't have a Finks in here. If you're playing Kitchen Finks, or the White Clay is best friends. Yeah, but it can get your general back from the graveyard. It can get a lot of good stuff back. And the last card that I want to mention is an aura. It's not a creature aura, though. It's Spreading Seed. Now, Spreading Seed is a lo- very popular in Standard, but it's also good in EDH because it can turn off Maze of It. Um, Tolarian Academy. Or Tolarian Academy Band, sorry. Gaia's Cradle... Um, Teleria West is no, that's the one that searches. What's the one? Academy Ruins. Academy Ruins. Thank you. I feel dumb. It can turn off Academy Ruins. It can turn off Reflecting Pools. It's just a really good card, and it can trips. So there's kind of no detriment to playing it. Um, in Thought Adele, I very well might be changing the Thought deck to Rexiel because it's kind of mean. Uh, the the cards of note in the deck. Are definitely high tide. Mm. High tide and isochron are kind of obnoxious. Very big fan of high tide. For those people who probably don't know what high tide does, by the way. Oh, go ahead, Tom. Okay, so high tide is an instant um, for one blue until end of turn. Whenever a player taps an island for mana, that player adds a blue mana to his or her mana pool. So that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. The I've- deck also. Oh, go ahead. I've already done some busted things with this card, and I've only had it for a day. <laughs> um, besides High Tide, it plays just a, a suite of other cards. Like I said, it, it might be too good. Or not too good, but just unfun. Play Sphinx of Magosi. Hey, I like my Sphinx of Magosi. I think it's a very balanced card, because you can kill it. Unlike Sphinx of Dwar Isle, who just kind of well, sits yeah. there and says, Hey, I'm a 5-5, five, five. you can't target. ba 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 um, no, I'm, I'm Sphinx of Magosi isn't one of the cards that's broken, but it's just a really good card. Uh, Magus of the Future is awesome. 2-3 for 2, blue, blue, blue. Human Wizard, play with the top card of your library revealed. You may play the top card of your library. That's why people play Future Sight. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't have Future Sight, and this card, it's really good. I like it. it. Yeah, that one also costs $4 less. Yeah. Uh, the, the last thing I want to talk about, the deck kind of just tries to control the game and then play an Eldrazi, which it does... Pretty, very, very frequently. I've resolved Ulamog and Emrakul, <laughs> just with mana or with high tide shenanigans. But uh, the combo that is in the deck, 
is it's a stupid combo, but I've gotten it off multiple times because of like personal tutor or just whatever the case may be. Um, Eye of the Storm and Knowledge Exploitation. <laughs> Brooke beat me with this combo when she was playing this deck. Brooke, Brooke's favorite color is blue. She just started playing and she loves blue. Jace is her best friend. Uh, I mean, she. I told her that her best friend is like an $80 card, but still. <laughs> which, which is really funny to watch a new player's mind wrap around the fact that this piece of cardboard costs like that much money. But in case you don't know, the Eye of the of like knowledge storm whatever combo is they both cards cost five and two blue you play eye of the storm first it's an enchantment it says whenever a player plays an instant or sorcery remove that card from the game then that player copies each instant or sorcery card removed from the game with eye of the storm for each copy that player may play the card without playing its mana cost now knowledge exploitation you play after you have resolved eye of the storm and it says search target opponent's library for an instant or sorcery you might play that card without playing its mana cost then that player shuffles his or her library. So you get to play every single instant or sorcery card in everybody's library. Yes. Multiple times. Yes. It's like I bribery. Like if the first one you manage to hit is bribery, you can pretty much just say, "Let me get all the creatures too." Yeah. So yeah, that that's definitely a very fun combo. I I like those kind of combos. The combos where it's like an eight mana card and an eight mana card. That's kind of fine with me. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not like Power Artifact and Grim Monolith or um The other Helix. one that's Grim Monolith. Yeah, or Helix Pinnacle Infinite Mana tricks or the, I remember that infinite turn thing that guy was doing. Which wasn't really a combo as much as he just was able to search up Beacon of Tomorrows. Yeah. With Isochron. And that was just getting annoying. Yeah. But, but... <laughs> I, I wanna ask you a quick rules question. Oh no. Can land tax search up snow-covered lands? Hold on. Not allowed to look it up. I'm not allowed to look it up. Of course not. Um. All I did was search land tax on Gatherer, and it says so in the rulings. I want to say it can't. It can. You can yeah, fetch was... any of the snow-covered lands since they all have the super type basic. Okay, the I didn't know has land. An intervening if clause. This means one, the ability won't trigger at all, unless any... Oh, never mind, that's other stuff that doesn't matter. But no, 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 yeah. So, you can, because that's super tight basic. So I didn't know I didn't know snow-covered lands were considered basic. Yeah, they have basic snow-covered island, or basic snow-covered swamp. Okay, that I didn't know. I haven't played with snow-covered lands very often, so... As in but now I know. Now you know, because it's my super short show. Anyways, <laughs> moving on from paper EDH, um, I think we're going to go talk about Commander. Uh, I moved away from Davie, Florida, or Florida, Florida, which is where we all kind of lived and collated together as a big happy family, but like without Gary Coleman, and um, not too soon, shut up, anyways, (laughs) so I missed missed EDH, I didn't have anyone to play with, so I decided to invest in MTGO, I've been slowly investing in Magic the Gathering Online over the course of the last few months because I figured I wouldn't be able to really find anyone to play with paper-wise. I remember searching for card shops in my area, and the closest one was 50 minutes away, and I'm like, I like magic, but not that much. So, decided to invest in Commander on Magic the Gathering Online. Commander is uh, EDH for Magic the Gathering Online. I guess they just didn't want to call it EDH. I don't know why not. Um, the rules are basically the same as EDH. You start with 40 life. If you take 21 general damage, you lose. Uh, which is a state-based effect, by the way. Which is a state-based effect. And Because um, to be able to respond to dying is kind of ridiculous. In response to me dying, I lightning bolt you in the face. And then their dying trigger goes on the stack. <laughs> <laughs> and then first in, last out goes on. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> so... <clears throat> So I decided to invest in Commander. Uh, the first deck I had, I had already built a 100 card, a 100 card Naya deck, and I thought, hey, this is awesome. 100 card Naya should work great, and it did. Uh, I just my general was Earl the Miststalker, and it wasn't like an aura deck, and I just 
I won with it just because it was a hundred card Naya, and it just it played stuff like Dragon Broodmother and took over the game. But then I built the General of the Week deck, which is tomorrow a zombie's familiar. I love this card. Always have. It's been an all-star in my Thraxiumundar deck because people just look at it and it's such an unassuming card. People have... It's it's so powerful for such a ri- random, ridiculous card. Um, so for five and, a, five and a blue, it's a legendary spirit from the Kamigawa cycle. If you would draw a card, look at the top three cards of your library instead. Put one of those cards into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Also one five. This guy gives you so much card advantage, it's not even funny. Um, so, we've talked about building EDH decks before, and we've talked about building a deck than just having a general in the colors, or building a deck around the general's ability. So I decided to do the latter. So, Azami loves it when you draw a card. It doesn't have to be during your draw step or anything. So I'm thinking, hey, I should, I'm not gonna play stuff like Howling Mine, cause playing Howling Mine in EDH, usually not a good idea. People love you in the beginning, then they realize that you're giving all their opponents extra cards and they get mad. So I decided to focus on drawing cards in a different way. So I'm playing stuff like Tolarian Winds. Uh, this is an instant from, and we get to look it up because I have no idea. Tolarian Winds. This card is from my horrible spelling. Anyways, uh, what Talarian Winds does, it's for one in a blue, instant instant. Uh, discard all the cards in your hand, then draw that many cards. With the Zombies Familiar out, it says cycle through the top 15 cards in your deck if you have 5 cards in hand. Um, the card is broken when tomorrow is out. Because if you have, even if you just have 3 cards, you get to pitch these 3 cards, you look through the top 9 cards of your deck, and pick the 3 best. That's ridiculous. Um, Homerid Spawning Bed has always been one of my favorite cards in mono blue. Um, it's for blue and a blue, and it's an uncommon enchantment. For one blue blue, sack a blue creature, put X, one one, blue, Camerid tokens onto the battlefield, where X is a sacrifice creature's converted mana cost. Um, I have no idea why you wouldn't want to play this card in a mono blue deck. If you have a bunch of blue creatures, it's great to just play this when someone tries to remove your stuff. They're like, oh, I'm going to path it. Uh, I'm going to pay three blue mana sack it, and get five one ones. Like This was back when Magic didn't really like bend itself to how to the color pie yet. Um, Proteus Staff is a fun card. Uh, this is a card that I don't think many people play, just because it's, uh, it's kind of quirky. Uh, it costs three colors mana, it's an artifact. For two and a blue, put target creature on the bottom of its owner's library. Once I saw that, I was like, sweet, it gets rid of generals. That creature's controller reveals cards from the top of his or her library until he or she reveals a creature card. That player puts that card into play and the rest on the bottom of his or her library in any order. Play this ability only any time you could play a sorcery. The last part, kind of annoying, the sorcery part, but it's great at getting rid of generals. Some people, again, have general-centric decks. Like, if someone drops a the Enchanter, you play Proteus Staff, put it on the bottom of their deck, and watch them play enchantments for the rest of the game and not do anything. So... The card does really good things. It's a repeatable effect, which is very important in EDH, um, very important in Magic as a whole. So I was I was very happy to find it, and I love using it. Um, Trevor thought a deck. He mentioned that he tries to ramp ramp up into Eldrazi. I tried to do the same thing, kind of didn't work as well. There's a card called Apprentice Wizard. For one blue blue, mm-hmm. it's a zero one. You can pay a blue and tap it to add three colors to your mana pool. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. It ramps me up. Not not really that good. Probably coming out of the deck. Next card is Keep Watch. Uh, goes with tomorrow. Draw a card for each attacking creature. It's simple. A lot of people play um, like all in token decks, and when you have something like tomorrow out or you don't, and you can just sure you'll take twelve, but you'll draw twelve. That's that's usually saying, hey, it's game. Um, I would like to mention, we've talked about certain decks being kind of douchey, and that usually when you're playing against blue decks, watch out. They're sometimes full of counters. They're full of bad things you don't want to verse against. Um, I'm playing two counters in this deck. Uh, One of them is Hinder. 
gets rid of creatures, uh, gets rid of generals, because it one blue-blue counter-target spell, if it is countered this way, put that card on the bottom of its owner's library instead of into that player's graveyard. So that gets rid of generals like nobody's business. And then Draining Welk, which is a flash flying illusion from Time Spiral. For four and a blue-blue, when Draining Welk enters the battlefield, counter-target spell, put X plus one plus one counters on Draining Welk, where X is that spell's converted mana cost. Great card. Works good. Um, Aeon Chronicler is an all-star in this deck. This deck loves to have a huge grip of cards. And Aeon Chronicler from Planar Chaos? It looks like uh, three blue-blue yeah. Aeon Chronicler's power and toughness are each equal to the number of cards in your hand, but it has to spend... Suspend for X, and it's X, three blue. X can't be zero whenever a time counter is removed from Aeon Chronicler while it's exiled, draw a card. So a usual play in this deck is you slap down a zombie, then you suspend Aeon Chronicler for three turns, and you just get to basically draw six for the next three turns. It's it's ridiculous. Um, I, I love the deck so far. Uh, it's very budget-friendly. Um... MTGO is good like that. I spent $10 on the deck, and it's competitive. Like, it has Factor Fiction. It has Kaiga the Tide Star. It has cards that are good in blue decks, good against other decks. Um, I just like it all around. There are two cards I want to definitely mention, one of which uh, we can, we're going to talk about after this one, which is Teferi's Puzzle Box. Teferi's Puzzle Box costs four colorless. It's a rare artifact. At the beginning of each player's draw step, that player puts the cards in his or her hand on the bottom of his or her library in any order, then draws that many cards. So with tomorrow out, you just get to cycle through your whole entire deck a lot of times. A lot of fun to do. The next card, discussion time, Trevor. What do you think about Mindlock Orb and EDH? Um, in a monocolor deck, with little... Like, your deck digs so much, but it doesn't need to search its deck for anything. I honestly think it's a great effect. Generally, when you're when somebody's searching out their deck, they're using it. They're searching it for something degenerative. Mm-hmm. So, mind lock or prevents that from happening. So, if you don't know, this was a throwaway rare from Alara. For three and a blue, only has four words on the whole entire card. Players can't search libraries. That's that's the effect. So, it works great against fetch lands. Um, it locks out mana fixing like rampant growth and Kadama's Reach. And the new ones from M11. Um, you just have to make sure it doesn't kill you. Uh, I'm playing four technical land search spells: Pilgrim's Eye, Amarillo Sphere, and Terramorphic Expanse, and the one from Rise of Eldrazi, Evolving Wilds. So I made sure if if you're playing Mindlock Orb, please try not to lock yourself out of the game. I've seen it happen to people. You kind of laugh at them. So don't don't do it. It's it's just bad. It's bad for business. How about that? It's bad for business. So don't don't do it. Um, I would like to mention all stars in the deck cast through time. Totally the real deal. It's worth tapping out four for seven and then just doing something like capsize. Because oh, interaction time. Capsize and cast through time. Don't cast capsize with buyback. You cast it and then uh, the computer asks, would you like to use buyback? Or um, or rebound. Choose rebound. When it rebounds, Trevor, can you buy it back? Yes. Right, you can. So you just play capsize for the three, then it rebounds, then you rebound, you pay an extra three when it comes back. So you're basically getting a buybacked capsize for half price. You're getting two buybacked capsizes for half price, which is awesome. The, the reason why you can buy it back is because just like Kicker or Entwine... Um, when you cop- when you copy a spell, you have the uh, um, ability to pay additional costs for it. Nice. And then Sphinx Bone Wand has also been a house in this deck. And that's whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you may put a charge counter on Sphinx Bone Wand. If you do, Sphinx Bone Wand deals damage equal to the number of charge counters on its target creature or player. I almost got the ultra combo Sphinx Bone Wand and cast through time out at the same time, and then just start chaining stuff and killing everything. But I didn't. But I wanted to. But I didn't. So that's how the deck works. I love Tomorrow Zombies Familiar. Um, I think it's awesome. Always liked it. I suggest you play it. I will warn you. People will look at you. Uh, the game that I just uh, that I played at like 2 a.m. last night. 
there was literally a guy going, always kill the blue player first, and I had to, like, remind them. I play two counter spells. I have sphinxes and card draw. Stop being dicks. And, um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, we've told people before, like, on this cast, watch out for blue players. But that's because some people bring in decks that are, like, counterspell, remand, condescend, force of will in an EDH deck, and it's kind of like, thanks for preventing me from doing everything. But then there are the decks that play stuff like Rider Replication, and Clone, and Mind Control, and Sphinx or Draw Rival, and Kaiga. Like, these are cards that don't really prevent you from doing things. They're just cards that are proactive instead of reactive. And a lot of people don't like to play against reactive decks in EDH, so I think that's... I'm kind of defending my deck here, which I didn't mind doing, because when you complain about it enough, there was... I was playing in a four-player multiplayer game. The guy to my right was a very experienced player also, and he got about as sick of it as I did, because the two guys across from us were just complaining and complaining and complaining. And I seriously... The worst card I had cast was, like, Evacuation. And they were like, oh my god, you evacuated my guy when he was going to hit you for eight and deal eight general damage. And I was like, yeah, don't want to die here. And so me and the guy to my right, we decided, hey, we're going to take these guys out of the game, make this a team game real quick. This is getting annoying. So remember, remember, remember multiplayer politics. Please do. Just because there's a blue player on the field doesn't mean he doesn't have friends and doesn't mean that you should take him out first. If he's, If you have the chance to just attack him and he's wide open... And there's no other reason not to go right ahead. I'm not saying don't attack the blue guy. I'm just saying don't use that as your basis to killing somebody. Like imagine if you're going in there for your first time and you're playing an Earl deck, and there's an experienced player there who sees an Earl deck and goes, "Oh my God, it's Earl. We're all dead," and like runs for the heavens and just decides to try and kill you on turn five. Like you're gonna be pissed. So it's kind of not the spirit of EDH. Not at all. You're trying to play. You're trying to have fun. If the person does something to warrant you trying to all-out kill them, like you try and cast Knowledge Exploitation on your Eye of the Storm, and the guy goes, oh, Counterspell? Yeah, then you should try and kill him. That's fine with um, me. By know. the way, you play Knowledge Exploitation, they counter it, the Counterspell goes under Knowledge Exploitation, everyone gets a copy of it. Uh, I didn't want to interrupt Tom when he was saying, but Just Thor tweeted us about 40 minutes ago uh, about talking about Cast Through Time and Maelstrom Nexus. These cards together are really ridiculous. Um, in case you're wondering, Cast Through Time is four blue-blue-blue enchantment. It's the one Tom's been talking about a little bit. Instant and sorcery spells you control have rebound, which, in case you don't know, you exile it as it resolves if you cast it from your hand. At the beginning of your next upkeep, you may cast it from exile without paying its mana cost. And Nexus says the first spell you cast each turn has casting. So if you have both of these out, you play a spell... Um, like, you play Tidings, for example. It gets rebounds, so you exile it. It also has Cascade, so you Cascade. And then Tidings goes off. And then, during your next upkeep, Tidings goes off again from rebound. It Cascades again. Tidings resolves. Um, but the whatever cards you Cascade into can never get rebound. Yep. That's the only caveat with this. So like, if you Cascade into Divination, Divination does not get rebounded. Right. Or Council of Sorotami. Yes. Or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. If you have any questions or need that clarified anymore, please feel free to email or uh, post in the comments. It's really weird. Tom and I had to read those cards for quite a little bit to understand how they interacted completely. But basically what it boils down to is cards you cascade into can never have rebound. That's yep. all. Alrighty. Um, speaking about emailing us, our... Email is mtgradio at mtgcast.com. And our Twitter, you can follow us on Twitter, we're mtgradio, or at mtgradio. Uh, that's pretty much about all. Do you have anything else left to say? Just going to mention real quick, Elspeth versus Tezzeret is going to be the next dual deck things, like Garrick versus Liliana and Chandra versus Jace. Happy about this one. Uh, Tezzeret is great in EDH, and so is Elspeth. Uh, they're both card advantage machines. They... Elspeth pretty much goes in all white decks. Tezzeret goes in certain blue decks and just wrecks. And the cards that have been in the dual decks have actually been really good so far. Yeah. Uh, Jace's deck had Days and Gush and all these great blue cards, including Counterspell. I got Phyrexia versus the Coalition. 
which is where you got a lot of your generals from. Yeah. So, so far, dual decks have been great. Uh, it's been kind of surprising. Dual decks have, although catered towards the like the kind of just getting into the game casual crowd, have been great for stuff like EDH and for online. Um, I don't know if you know this, but the only way you can get dazes is from the Jace versus Chandra deck. I did not know that. Yeah. So that's why they go for so much on MTGO. But um, yeah, just putting that out there. And I don't know about you, but I'm I am good to go. As am I. So if you guys have any feedback, any recommendations, we are we are back in action. This cast will be weekly again. So um, welcome back. I hope you guys missed us. I, I hope you welcome us back. And if you guys are just tuning in, then welcome. And we, we love to have our new listeners. And if you guys want to send us a deck list or send us a general of the week, that kind of stuff's right down our alley. We really like it. If you have any interactions you want to talk about, that's great. But I'm all done. So for episode 33 of MTG Radio, this is Trevor. And this has been Tom. And thanks for tuning in.